Welcome to the Brazil Culture Connections podcast. My name is Jamie Lee Andreessen. I created this project during the pandemic as a way to reconnect with the networks of Brazilian cultural leaders, artists, and scholars that I have the privilege of working with while living and researching in Brazil. This fourth episode is a special behind the scenes with interns from the Pennsylvania State University, Amanda Talbot and Madeline Tenney, as they ask me about the creation of the podcast and the future direction of the project. So to start us off, Jamie, could you share a little bit more about yourself and your personal trajectory that led to Brazil Culture Connections? How did you learn about Portuguese and how did you become interested in Afro-Brazilian culture and history? Yeah, great. Thank you so much, Amanda. It's great to be in conversation with you and with Maddie as well. Thank you for being part of this process since the very beginning. <laughs> so I started my trajectory with Brazil when I was an undergrad at UC Berkeley. I did a study abroad program and was interested in learning Portuguese. I had already learned Spanish during high school and middle school. So I was interested, always interested in these American connections and wanted to understand more about South America specifically. And so I started learning Portuguese during that study abroad program, but I found it to be just a very fluid process and found a lot of help from Brazilians in teaching me and a lot of patience as I was learning and practicing. So I spent a few months traveling on my own before the program started in Salvador in Bahia. And so the three month program was focused there. And I took my first course on the history of the Black Atlantic which was a term that I was not familiar with prior. I hadn't had a lot of history classes in the African diaspora, specifically in my training, certainly not in my high school education. And even as a history major at UC Berkeley, Latin American studies didn't really have this Black Atlantic angle. And so I just felt that I was exposed to an entirely new vision of what the Americas were, how they were founded, and like I was really able to get a sense of the African presence in the Americas, something that wasn't explicit to me in my own upbringing and my own education experience coming from California. So I was really drawn into that and I started a research project that was focused on the U.S. anthropologist Ruth Landis who conducted research in the Candomblé temples in the 1930s in Salvador. And I got a lot of interest in this project because her legacy in Brazil is so strong, even though she's not really known in the United States. And a lot of people wanted to know more from her archives. Um, there are a lot of photos and historical materials of Afro-Brazilian religious leaders that I had access to in the Smithsonian Museum in Washington, DC. And all of this was my undergraduate thesis. So I quickly started working with translation and of making accessible materials 
on Brazil that are in the United States, but that aren't always accessible to Brazilians. And that's what my first project was. So I ended up getting a grant after my undergrad from the Ruth Landis Memorial Fund to go back to Brazil and continue my research sort of on her legacy and her importance in the Brazilian context, because her ethnography called The City of Women was really well received in the 1960s when the translation came out in the 70s up until the present by Brazilian anthropologists, particularly women and candomblé priestesses and women of candomblé and practitioners who really value her approach to ethnography, of documenting the religious leaders, and of portraying the importance of Black women specifically in the religion. So I ended up doing an MA, a master's at the Federal University of Bahia, UFBA, and I lived in Brazil for about two years straight doing coursework in Portuguese, including a lot of writing, which ended up being my master's dissertation. It's a very big project in Brazilian academia. And that book actually became a book and was published in 2019 by the Federal University of Bahia Press, Editora Ufba. So I've had this long trajectory of deepening my knowledge of the Portuguese language, deepening my connection specifically with Bahia as the epicenter of Brazilian culture with a specific emphasis on this African heritage. And that's something that I carried through in my PhD research, which I finished at the University of Michigan in anthropology and history. And so I most recently spent two and a half years of PhD dissertation fieldwork in Salvador from 2016 to 2018. And that's when I just developed more my own ethnography, my own relationships with Afro-Bahian religious leaders and practitioners. And this is the whole context that, that continues to draw me to work with these particular leaders and to amplify their voices through this podcast. Great, thanks so much. So how did you come up with the idea of the Brazil Culture Connections podcast? And what do you hope to achieve with it? Yeah, so before the pandemic hit, I was traveling back and forth to Brazil quite frequently. And now in hindsight, I feel really lucky that I was able to build up this background and this experience and to create these relationships before this really huge, disruptive, historic moment hit. And once we were all in quarantine, once it was clear that I wasn't going to be able to travel to Brazil anytime soon, that my research experience would be completely disrupted, I just felt this yearning to reconnect with some of the amazing people that I got to meet and work with during my experience living in Brazil and Bahia specifically. I also finished my PhD, which takes a lot of work and time and energy, and I was fortunate to get a postdoc with the Africana Research Center, and it's a research postdoc that allows you to develop your work and your projects, and I felt that podcasts were such a great opportunity 
to continue these connections and to also create pedagogical material because so much of my dissertation research, it just feels very specific, you know, to a particular field and doesn't always speak to broad audiences. And so I wanted to be able to translate some of the amazing work and perspectives that I was able to learn about and encounter in Brazil. And I felt like what I knew and what I learned and what I sought out was really not represented in the media. I couldn't find a lot of materials that represented this side of Brazil and that got to some of the issues that I really wanted to talk about. And so I just went for it and felt like because of the restrictions of our social lives and working at home, I just felt that it was a project that really feeds into my skills, but also my passions and my creative side. So it's been a wonderful opportunity to build these collaborative networks because I'm always thinking about the process of knowledge production and dissemination and exchange. And I wanted to really be able to offer my skills as a translator, the skills that I learned doing so many ethnographic interviews as well during my research experience in Brazil, I thought that this could translate to a more public scholarship audience and help amplify voices and experience that often aren't represented in English language media and education. That's amazing, Jamie. Thank you. What are some challenges in the development of this podcast that you have had to overcome so far? Well, I would say technological challenges because whenever you're starting something new in a new kind of platform with new software, uh, you have to learn new skills and you have to kind of have a beginner's mind about going about these processes. So figuring out how to best do the recordings and then connecting to interviewees in Salvador, Brazil, you know, there's often internet problems or just so many noises and disruptions because we're all recording and working in our homes. So that's been kind of an obvious surface level challenge of just recording between hemispheres in quarantine during the pandemic, but we have pulled it off and I'm really proud of how we've done it. And it's been a great opportunity for me to learn like audio editing skills and to just get creative with this technological side. So it's something that I'm continuing to learn and I'm really interested in improving. And then we have the challenges, Amanda, and can speak to this as well, of the language and the translation and the transcription. So Amanda and I, we transcribe word for word from our heads. Like someone in Brazil was asking me, what program do you use to transcribe? And I was like, uh, <laughs> this wonderful brain that we have. And I'm really lucky to have Amanda Talvit as well, who is an excellent um, student of languages. And so there, there are definite challenges in just transcribing any kind of audio because we speak so much differently 
than we write. And there, you know, sometimes we go into train of thoughts or we have these mannerisms or these tics. And so learning how to represent that in the best way for the reader, it has been a challenge, as well as the translation of just really specific local context-based terms, right? So a lot of our episodes have focused on candomblé, the Afro-Brazilian religion. And so there are a lot of terms that don't translate into English and that require more context. And for somebody who's never been introduced to the religion or to Bahia, you know, that's something that I always struggle with, even as a scholar in my writing, but it's something that I'm working on so that we can make these different contexts intelligible to one another. And I think that is an important goal. Um, I also <clears throat> want to touch on difficult subjects, right? So Clegiana's episode specifically, I mean, we're talking about the history of racism between Brazil and the United States. And these are sometimes conversations that are difficult and they're really important and presenting them to a broad audience is a skill and it requires a lot of thought, um, a lot of planning. And so that's something that I work with the interviewee about and something that I just continually work on in my own life and in my own scholarship. So I, with this podcast, I don't want to perpetuate a sort of idea of Brazil as this tropical paradise, as this land of happiness, right? I want to get to the real issues and the challenges that people are facing on the ground. And so that requires a lot of um, sensitivity and a lot of listening and a lot of learning, even on my part, and to try and bring that empathy to our listeners as well. And then the most recent issue has been just getting the word out, um, expanding our listeners and creating strategies so that we can have the biggest impact with this podcast. I think starting anything from scratch, it's always an uphill battle. And so we have to continue to innovate and be creative and work together to try and get the biggest reach possible. And how would you recommend listeners use this podcast? So my big vision is to have a broad audience. Like I want to provide context and insider expert knowledge from these amazing local sources and make their ideas and their experiences accessible to English speakers who may not know very much about Brazil. Maybe someone's just curious and there's somebody who's interested in kind of the real life experiences instead of these glossy media portrayals. So anybody who's globally minded, who's curious, who wants to think comparatively between US and Brazil, or between Brazil and Africa, or just in this global sense, I think any global citizen would be really interested in learning more through this podcast. And I also see this project as fundamentally pedagogical. So I myself work in education. And as I mentioned, I want my research and I want 
my work to be accessible to more than just the specialist academic audiences. So I see this as excellent educational material for high school or college courses, for anyone trying to learn Portuguese or working on cultural studies, art history, international relations, Latin American studies or Africana studies, for example. So I hope that teachers, professors, and students can use not just the audio, but also the transcriptions and the translations because that written material is great for the classroom. Students can study the language, they can have access to information, and even cite it in research projects. So I see us as sort of publishing our work so that it's accessible to the curious citizen, to the researching student, to the teacher who's creating their curriculum, and to artists more broadly. Um, we're looking to interview even more artists because the struggle of being an artist, and especially during the pandemic, I think is something that a lot of people can relate to. And we're all wanting to have that connection to these these works of art or these performances that we can't be with physically. And so I hope that people will also come to us for that. And finally, I mean, the, the international portion is really important, but there's also the Brazilian context itself. So we're creating Portuguese language material that is even offering additional perspectives and international conversations to Brazilian and Portuguese speaking audiences, which can be accessible from around the world. Brazil's not the only country that speaks Portuguese. So I hope that you know people from Portugal or Mozambique or Angola or Cape Verde could also learn more about Brazil through this podcast. And the interviews, they provide another platform for our interviewees in Brazil, and it helps to amplify their work in this international perspective. What do you think cross-cultural connections can do for you, the interviewees in your podcast, and all those who listen? I love this question, and I think it really gets to the heart of why I started the project in the first place, because I truly believe that independent initiatives like this one. It's not the only one, but it's part of a sort of lineage of project that works to make the world feel a little bit smaller and differences a little bit less difficult to bridge. So I think we're all aware of the many forces that are working to divide us. Maybe the most obvious is language, that we grow up speaking different languages or that we grow up so far away from one another so we're not always in contact with people who are living in other parts of the world or having different experiences. There's the barriers of international travel, of immigration. Not everybody is able to slowly travel throughout this world, right? There are real um, limits to who can be in what place and to leave their local context. More recently, there's been the pandemic, another huge dividing force that has kept us apart in a lot of ways and that has exacerbated racial and economic equalities. So I think that the conversations that I initiate through this podcast, they're meant to honestly address 
these issues, but at the same time, find ways to connect through them. So to not think that these barriers are so great that we have nothing in common or that we have nothing to learn from one another. Just personally, I love bringing people together who would not have been in contact otherwise. I think that's why I start anything (laughs) that I do, because it's a meeting point, right? It creates new waves and has unforeseeable repercussions that really excite me. And so I'm always working on diverse coalition building. It's one of the greatest passions that I have. And I truly believe in the power of collaboration as well. So I love that this process is not just me writing (laughs) by myself. Um, I think that I wanted to do something collaborative while we were all separated from each other because I really miss this kind of group work. And so I'm happy to give that opportunity to the interns and also to the interviewees because we work together from the beginning of the creation of the questions to the title to the promotional materials. It's really a collaboration that I have with each person I interview. And I've found that it's brought me so much closer to that person and it builds further trust between us. It's also just inspiring to think about what we're capable of doing when we work together, when we create these bridges and these partnerships. And so I hope that the podcast can share that feeling with everybody involved and to all of our listeners for them to think, who could I reach out to? What could I produce? What could I build? And what could I share with the world? So it's my turn. (laughs) I want to turn the tables a little bit and hear from both of you about what your experience working with the podcast has been like. What kind of skills have you developed and what are you looking forward to in this process of growth? Um, Thank you for asking, Jamie. So um, naturally, I, Maddie, have learned a lot about Bayin culture. Um, I've learned about these wonderful artists that Um, you're conducting interviews with, I'm able to see um, the material that they're producing and I'm able to be inspired by these podcasts um, whenever I want to, you know, the fact that I have them on Spotify, easy access. Uh, Also being a student, these are great resources for me um, as I'm trying to obtain a Portuguese minor. Um, I love to be able to have these resources to go back on. I'm able to talk to my professors at Penn State and say, hey, can I use my podcast as my resource? And, you know, it almost extends that relationship with my professors even further because of the interest that they may have in what we're doing. Um, So I also have learned a lot of technological skills that I didn't know before, Um, I'm working with Canva, um, making these promotional photos. Um, I'm getting to work with the photos of these wonderful people that are being interviewed. Um, I'm able to work on the production on Facebook and Instagram. Um, and it's great. It's This is one of my first work experiences. Um, and so being part of such a team that we're able to collaborate and we all have similar interests as everything, Jamie, you say that we ask you about the podcast, 
Um, I feel similarly, and I feel like we have a very uh, collective mentality on the way that we want to spread cross-cultural relationships. And that's another thing that this podcast is doing for me. Uh, It gives me an opportunity to stay in touch with Brazil, my family members in Brazil that I can send this podcast to and say, hey, listen to this amazing um, podcast that I'm working on. And it's it brings me so much pride. Um, and it's not even me that is doing the artwork or doing the interviews, but I am just so proud to be a part of something that carries such a positive message. And I'm able to share it with other exchange students, for example, um, exchange students in Germany or wherever they may be. Maybe they need another resource for um, their school projects or learning Portuguese. So I think it's a great opportunity to not only learn about buying culture and these wonderful things that they're producing, but also doing it in Portuguese because I I really miss that um, Portuguese language and that connection with um, my Brazilian friends and family because obviously, as you said, in um, the challenges we're facing, I we all, we can't be seeing um, people in other countries. So this is definitely um, a diamond in the rough, I would say. <laughs> Thank you so much. That was beautiful. Uh, My experience has also been great. I'm just really thankful to be trusted to translate and, you know, reimagine people's experiences in English. Um, It's a really big responsibility, especially when the subject matter is so important and so delicate. So I'm just really thankful um, to be a part of that process. Um, Some of the skills that I've been able to develop have been, you know, First and foremost with the Portuguese language since the podcast is primarily in in Portuguese, I've been able to develop my Portuguese ear better, having helped a lot with the transcriptions. Um, And, you know, I also think I've learned a lot of new vocabulary um, relevant to the Candomblé religion that I didn't know before, as well as general uh, Portuguese vocabulary. Um, I just feel like I'm a better communicator in, in in that language. Um, I've also learned a really, you know, wide variety of things about buying culture and Candomblé culture and the issues that Brazil faces and how they relate to the United States and in what ways they diverge as well. So it's been a wonderful blessing for me to be able to be able to talk about these things a little bit more confidently with my friends um, and as well as incorporate them into my day-to-day academic activities. Thank you so much, Amanda. You have worked so hard on the transcriptions and translations, and I'm just so impressed by your skills and your work ethic. And Maddie, your willingness to learn new things and to take on challenges and to share these messages to a broad audience, it's been so helpful and so inspiring. So Thank you so much for being a part of this because we wouldn't be able to do it all without one another. Well, we're grateful that you accept our help and we can do this together. Um, Now I'm just going to ask some words of advice um, for those who are looking to foster their own cross-cultural connections. Yeah, as I said, I really hope that this inspires people to start that project, to start that little idea that's just brewing in their head and they're like, can I do it? Should I do it? Um, That's how this started for me. And I would say, don't wait. Like, 
There's always a million reasons to put off a project, especially if it's a passion project, it's not paid. People might tell you, you know, don't do it, it's going to take up your time. And you yourself could probably come up with a million reasons not to do it. But if you have an idea and you know why it matters, I think the why is really the most important. And you think that it has something to contribute to the world. I am here to say go for it. It's not going to be easy, right? And it's not going to be fast. I think that's really key for when you're starting something. It just takes a long time to build. And so you have to have that long-term vision. You have to have that trust in yourself that you can do it. And then I would also say make sure that you have a support system, right? So you're not working alone. I've highlighted the importance of collaboration. Like Maddie actually suggested the idea of this whole episode. (laughs) And so you never know what's going to come up. A lot of the times Amanda has an amazing suggestion for a translation, you know, or a question that just really provokes a lot of ideas and helps me think about things differently. And so having us work together is important. I've mentioned the interviewees as well. You know, they'll ask me a clarifying question that helps me to just really hone in on what the vision is, what the message is. And I work on that with the people I'm interviewing so that we're on the same page, right, about the kind of story that we're telling and the kind of audience that we're trying to reach. Um, if you if you do too much on your own, you're, you're probably going to burn out. Um, so make sure that you're not just doing it kind of in a void and that you're reaching out to people. That's what the connection is all about. It takes some humility. It takes some willingness to mess up, to just pick yourself up again and and do it better next time, right? To continuously learning and to adapt to the, the process when difficulties arise because difficulties will arise, but that doesn't mean that it wasn't worth doing. 100%, 100%. Um, speaking of which, how has this podcast impacted your life? It's been amazing. I, I think I always dreamed <laughs> of being on the radio, you know, of being on podcasts when they first started. And it was really liberating to know that I could start with myself and to feel that I had built up the skills and the repertoire to be able to execute something like this. So I think it's giving me more confidence. It's also helped with my speaking. You know, I've done a lot of writing in my career, but speaking is sometimes a challenge. And so kind of like Amanda said, being able to speak confidently on these topics when, especially when you're transcribe, well, when you're recording, having the conversation, transcribing the conversation, translating the conversation and editing the conversation. It's like I can recall things word for word now. And actually, in my own scholarship, I really want to cite some of these interviews because they're oral histories. At the same time, you know, sometimes they're ethnographic interviews. And so it's really about the production of material that, like you said, Maddie, it'll last forever as long as it's on the web, you know. So it's great to know that we can come back to this. I can use it in my future classes. I can send it to people at any time. And I think the content that we're doing, since it's not news, 
right? It doesn't really get stale. Like it's always relevant information, always new things to come back to and to learn. And like I mentioned, it strengthened my relationships with the people I interview. And it's kind of given me some credibility in terms of what I have to offer in the context of my research and to the people that I work with in Brazil to be someone who can provide this kind of platform. It's given me a new level of engagement and it really excites me to think about how we can use it in the future. Great. Um, as this little interview comes to an end, can you tell us about what the future of the podcast is going to look like um, and what can listeners expect moving forward? Yeah, so we're halfway through our first season, Bayanas in Foco, which highlights the works and perspectives of Bayan women specifically. We'll produce three more episodes on this topic to finish out the season, and then we'll move on to other areas of Brazil, other art forms, other political movements, but we'll stick with the same structure of the podcast and make sure to seek out artists and cultural leaders who share their experiences in similar ways on our platform. So I'm really excited about this first season, which starts from my own research expertise, my own experience in Brazil, but also just the importance of Bahia in the foundation of Brazil, right? As the, literally the beginning place of what is now the country of Brazil it was the first colonial capital of the Brazilian empire, the Portuguese empire in Brazil. And so, so much of what we think of as Brazilian is actually Bahian specifically. So I feel great about having this first season that focuses on Bahia, on women's perspectives and black women's perspectives who are often not represented, not even in Brazilian media, let alone in English language media. Um, but Brazil is an incredibly diverse and huge country with regional differences, and I want to attend to this, those complexities in the future of our work. I really hope that our team can continue on production, at least until the end of the 2022 academic year. So we'll produce one or two more seasons after this first one and see where we're at <laughs> at that point. Um, right now, we're working on building our audience, as I mentioned, getting the word out, and also building up our resources to be available on our website. So by the launch date of this episode, we should have all the PDFs of our episode transcriptions and translations available for download on our website. Right now, the text is all there and it's all available, but we want to have these individual texts available so that it's easier to use, to save, to work on in classrooms, or to just have as an archive. And we're also building up additional resources about our interviewees and by our interviewees. So the project and the website can really become an educational space of further teaching and exchange. And finally, we're hoping to get sponsorship or grant support. We'll be applying for some new opportunities and with the hope of always improving our production capacity and to reach more people. Well, thanks so much for taking the time to let us interview you and share with our listeners a little bit about what happens behind the scenes. 
Yeah, Jamie, thank you so much for such a great interview and information and all this behind the scenes information. This episode was recorded by Jamie Lee Andreessen, Madeline Tenney, and Amanda Talbot in Pennsylvania in the United States. And thanks to our intern, Belle Hadding, for conducting the Portuguese version of this interview. I also thank the technical support from Jonatas Borges Campelo. The music is called Brazilian Capoeira Dance by Kashik Records with free use. And remember that we have full transcriptions and translations of our previous three episodes in this first series, Bionis and Foco, available on our website, brazilcultureconnect.wordpress.com. And follow us on social media at Brazil Culture Connections. Thanks for listening e até o próximo.